cliffcentral.com Good morning and welcome to Disrupt with Mpumin Tlapo. Thank you for joining us this morning. In the studio with me today, I've got Colleen Larson from Business Engage. Good morning, Colleen. Good morning, Mpumi. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing excellent. Thanks and you. Very, very good. Thank you for joining us. It's so wonderful to have you in the studio. Colleen, I'm reading your bio here and it's quite diverse and interesting. I see you spent 28 years in the financial services sector. Mm -hmm. We'll chat about that. Um, but today you are the chief executive of Business Engage. Um, you're the president of the 30% Club of Southern Africa. Mm-hmm. You're the founder of the Gender Mainstreaming Awards. And you're also in the process of founding a publication called, called Business Communicate or a platform. Platform, A yes. platform called Business Communicate. That's right. But it doesn't end there. It says you're a networker and organizer and you have a passion and a vision around seeing women really come into the forefront of corporate Southern Africa, but globally mm-hmm. as well. That's right, yeah. Um, Colleen, you know, before the show, we spoke about how you started off in the financial services space and that really what you're doing now grew out of a passion. Can you maybe just give me a bit of background about, you know, what you did before and how did you come to be, to found Business Engage and to really be focusing on uh, the advancement of women in corporate South Africa? And I know that your organization's primary focus is on um, how do we get a minimum of 30% representation of females on boards in corporates in South Africa? Yeah. Well, to be quite honest, I actually started off as a secretary. Ah, okay. So, so when, when I was at school, um, one of the subjects I took was typing. And every single interview I went to, they'd say, ah, oh, secretary. And, you know, I loved that time because it was really a time when, when I could coordinate the boss's diary and, and everything from there. But I knew that there was something different for me to do. And um, so I went for an interview and um, they said, um, can you type? And I said, no, I can't type. And and so it was then that I got into marketing field and, and really uh, got onto the, the marketing side of, of insurance and um, started out at Tata Life. And really that was, was so it wasn't the financial side of it as such, but the, the marketing and from there, I started branching out into insurance direct marketing and so spent quite a bit of my, my time there and then um, left, started my own business and uh, we eventually got the insurance benefits for the South African Transport and Allied Workers Union and the Contract Cleaning National Provident Fund. So that took me into group insurance business. And throughout my career, I'd done a number of qualifications in terms of the financial services. Yeah. But my passion was really how can we package products for the lower income groups. Okay. And um, so that, that was, was really my passion for empowerment of individuals. I went overseas for six months, came back. And um, really it was from there that I started my real passion for, um, for women entrepreneurship. I um, was invited to a consultative forum by the then Deputy Minister of Trade and Industry, Lindiwe Hendricks, to see if there was a need for an organization to look after women entrepreneurs. Got involved with the South African Women Entrepreneurs Network, was involved that, with that for a period of five years, and that was where Business Engage then was founded because in 2005 I woke up thinking one of the key aspects why women, and especially women entrepreneurs, fail is the lack of financial literacy and the lack of access to finance. And I woke up thinking, but your background's financial services. Why Absolutely. aren't you, why aren't you going to do something about it? Yeah. Well, and put me, it was supposed to remain a hobby. I had my own business. I was going to grow my own business. And I started this hobby of getting 10 to 15 women together to do financial literacy training. 
No sooner had we started that that we got involved with international labor organization in terms of the development of women entrepreneurs. 2007 got very involved in Business Unity South Africa. And in 2012, government published the Women Empowerment and Gender Equality Bill. Okay. And it was then with my financial services hat on that I woke up thinking, great that government's looking at legislation, but the reality is corporate South Africa is not going to do it because it's the right thing to do. They're not going to do gender diversity because of how many times we talk about the men at the top, what isn't working. We've been marginalized. They're going to do it because what makes business sense? And it was at that time that I had to really soul search and say, what are you going to do? And by that stage, I developed a, a passion for it. So I let my business go. And this is what I do now is I, I work full time on, on pushing women to the top, but because of the business case behind it. Ah, fantastic. And so Colleen, as you know, um, on this show, um, we really focus and frame our conversations around disruption. So mm-hmm. looking at individuals or organizations that are doing things slightly differently mm-hmm. with, a, with a different tinge, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, together with our sponsors, T-Systems, what we want to do is to showcase how disruption is having an impact on our economy and business today and how it can continue to do so into the future. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I picked up um, in, in reading your bio and speaking to you that you've said it's not about women empowerment. Mm-hmm. It's really about organize, it's about diversity in diversity. organizations mm-hmm. and that this is one of the pillars of that diversity. Can you elaborate on that in the context of how doing things the normal way might not necessarily yield the results? Absolutely. Well, in the past, I think you, you know that obviously we have August Women's Month and everything gets done around August Women's Month and the recognition of women during that month. The reality is, is that that be, then becomes a women's issue. And, and internationally, there's so much research around diversity and what makes business sense for, for companies. The reality is if you take men out and put women in, that is not going to empower anybody. It's just going to marginalize another group. So really the thing is internationally, if you look at the research in terms of diversity, it's diversity that makes business sense. So what we want to, um, what we want to promote in South Africa, and it seems to be working okay. um, from the various conversations we've had, is we've taken it away from a women's issue and we've made it a business issue. The reality is there are various elements of, of diversity. So you've got generational, you've got race, you've got sex, You've, you've got so many different, you've got sexual orientation, you've got so many different um, areas of diversity. And the whole thing is to look at each one of those. It just so happens that our expertise is in gender, but you cannot take gender out of the overall conversation. You've okay. got to actually look at each and every one of those. And so that is why when, when we go out and we talk to corporates and we talk to individuals, it's not about how many women we can get in and how many men we can displace. It's how many women can we move up to grow the economy, which makes business sense. Okay. And, and, and that is where the different conversation is. It's not about displacing the men at the top. Okay. It's about growing the economy and growing and using the, the hundred percent talent that you've got, whether it's men, women, um, the younger generation, the older generation and, and promoting everybody, um, and making business sense. But but surely the the women issue is is I guess uh, carries a bit more weight than some of the others in, in certain regards, given the big disparity that we've had, particularly in corporates to date. Look, I, I think with regards to women, I think the the minute you actually give women the the confidence 
and you've got you you make them understand that there's a way that they can get to the top. Okay. Really, I think the conversations have been too um, retro looking. Too looking in the past, too looking what we haven't had, too looking with, you know, to the what, what, what hasn't worked rather than saying, that's where we're going. That's our target. These are the steps we need to get there. And so what we are finding is even now, just with that little change, we are finding so many women that are, are really stepping into those roles and making a difference. Okay. So through the process, I mean, we've just had the appointment now of one of the ladies to one of the JC listed companies boards without any experience. But it was wow. because of the facilities that we put in place for that. So women have got the technical expertise. They, they know what they have to do. You just have to put them on that path and okay. they, they will make it happen. So I'm, Women don't have to be fixed. And I think that's where we get to the conversation with we've got to put more emphasis. We've got to be, we don't need to make more emphasis. We just need to put them on their path and they will get there. Okay. And I do know that under the 30% Club of Southern Africa, and you can elaborate a bit more on what the 30% Club does, but one of your key focuses is building this pipeline mm-hmm. of, of women, of individuals that would be ready to step up and take on those roles. Absolutely. Can you maybe talk a little bit about the 30% Club, how it came about to be in, in Southern Africa, and then maybe talk about this pipeline development that you do and, and exactly what it is that you do from that perspective? So the 30% Club is an international campaign of chairmen and CEOs and senior partners within auditing and consulting firms. Okay. Um, and Specifically auditing and consulting. Well, it's senior partners. Okay. So it's chairman oh, oh, of, of listed of no- companies, oh, okay, CEOs okay. and senior partners within the auditing. Yeah, and, and, because okay. of, of course, some, a lot of them don't have the, the normal corporate structure. The normal yes. corporate structure. Um, so the, it's an international campaign. It was founded by Helena Morrissey in, um, in the UK in 2010. It's currently in the UK, United States, Hong Kong, Kenya, you name it, it's international. It's just about to be launched in Switzerland. And uh, once we had done, first of all, our, our research around best practices and we launched our gender mainstreaming awards and we did a whole lot of things, we woke up thinking if senior leadership is not involved in what we do, it's absolutely meaningless. So just because we have an August Women's Month or just because we have an inspirational speaker, that is not enough. Your board needs to strategically think about how they involve gender as one of their diversity elements. And the 30% Club does just that. So it's an international campaign of 650, maybe even more now because they're being added every day, of chairmen and CEOs and senior partners that have uh, agreed to work together collaboratively to move the dial of listed companies to 30% women on boards on those listed companies within a period of five years. So we approached the 30% Club UK. We've been appointed in Southern Africa as the custodians, and we've just been appointed in East Africa. Okay. So our target in, in Southern Africa, well, in South Africa, is um, for 30% women on boards with, by 2020. Okay. Of JC listed organizations. Of listed organizations, yeah. Okay. And, but, but you can't just look at the listed organizations because you've got to build that pipeline. Yes. Because as the women go up into the top, then you get a, a point where the middle management, there's nobody there. So you've got to actually push the ladies from, right from university all the way up. So we've got programs running all the way up. Okay. And can you give me just an idea of when you say you've got programs, how do you prepare someone 
to sit on a board. I'm, I'm interested to know how you actually go about developing this pipeline. Okay, so so first of all, there are a number of women that have gone through a women on boards training program, so they've okay. got the technical expertise. So they've either been to the Institute of Directors or they've been to various programs that run in terms of women on board. So we don't do the technical training. Okay. What we do do, though, is give the woman the opportunity. When you speak to women, one of the key um, uh, faults is that they will always ask for a mentor. And a mentor is absolutely fantastic. But the reality is if you want to get to senior leadership position, you have to have a sponsor at the top, a sponsor that will put their their heads on the block for you and say, you know what, give her a chance. Uh. And so so we've got one program called our Boardwalk that does just that. So number one, we have um, an event in Joburg and Cape Town every second month. We're just about to launch in Durban. And the Boardwalk, we invite seasoned board members to host tables. The ladies then join one table for 40 minutes. Another table for 40 minutes can ask that board member any questions they want. How did you do it? What are the do's or the don'ts? And they really get practical advice. But number two, it exposes the the experienced board members to up-and-coming talent. Okay. People that they have to watch. So we've just had an appointment now of one of the ladies. She grabbed the opportunity with both hands. An individual who her company is itself is not really involved in what we're doing, even though they were the gender mainstreaming champions last year. But they haven't joined the 30% club. But um, she grabbed the opportunity with both hands. She's been to every single event. She's made the most of it. She's made had coffees and everything. And it came to one of the listed companies approaching us and saying, we know you've got this program. We would love to to have one of your ladies. We presented three CVs of ladies that we thought would qualify. And she went for the interview because of one of the board members that was at that event and had, had engaged with her. Wonderful. She's now going to um, Deloitte's for the non-executive director training just to spruce up some of her, her um, te- technical expertise. But there we go. She's she She put herself out. You know, us just putting on an event would not have made any difference. Yes. She had to take the ball um, in, in, you know, get the ball in her court, and she had to drive it. Okay. And are you finding that the boardwalks um, are providing, I guess, the necessary platform in terms of the the networking for, from a from a people perspective? Absolutely, because you know, before it's 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 generally the the board members that these individuals don't get to meet. Yes. So it's one of the the ways that you know we didn't want to become an exclusive club. We really want to expose and um, the up and coming women as well. So so really, it is about giving them that opportunity. We are now implementing a similar structure, just one step down, okay. So that we can get those women then going into senior leadership. And it really is about creating those relationships. Really, business nowadays is about relationships. Mm. And it's it's really about creating those opportunities for you to network, to grow, to show your expertise, to become comfortable with people, and that's what we provide. Okay, something you said a bit earlier on. You mentioned having a sponsor. Um, you know, typically in most companies, the board is not very visible mm. to the staff. You know, they come and they meet, they do their thing, and they move on. How would, I mean, how do people outside of your programs go about getting a sponsor on the board, which seems like a difficult task, especially if you don't have a direct kind of operational link in to the board? Yeah. Um, 
What, what have you seen? Well, most of our companies, so if you look at, we've currently got 32 companies on board with the 30% club and we're busy with another 40. And every single one of those companies, we invite their board members to the events. Okay. And the individuals that are within those companies are at the events. So whereas it was an opportunity of you not really being able to see those board members, you now are engaging with those board members. Yes. And you're getting the, to know what you need. So what are the things that a board member would need to fit within that board? Because the board members will say, this is what you have to do. Okay. And so if you want to be on that board, best you go and get that, that area of expertise because that's what the board's looking for. Yes. And so, so it really is about, um, about sharing both ways, not, not only up and down, but down and up. So it's an opportunity of the board members also getting to see, well, are we as visible to our staff? Yes. yes. As we need to be. Yes. Because you'll have the staff turning around saying, well, we've never had access to you. We don't know what is the path to the board. What is, you know, what do I have to do? And, and so it's, it's also the board members getting to hear from the staff as to what, what's happening. And engage a bit deeper into the organization. Yeah. And I think one of the things as well is really we, um, one of our main things is to break down the silos be, between companies. Okay. Because each one of the companies, when we first started in Pumi, they were saying things aren't happening. Corporate South Africa isn't bought into it. Woe is us. And they're saying, but the more we spoke to corporates, the more we heard about what is happening and how much is being done. And the only thing is because we're doing it in silos. So you don't see the true movement of what's happening in, in South Africa because nobody knows the stories. So mm. our main aim is to tell the stories and say, we're not that, we're not doing that badly. Okay. We've got a long way to go, but we're not doing that badly. Things are happening and things are changing. And and how long has the 30% Club in Southern Africa been running for now? We launched it in September 2014. 2014. And in the last six months, we have closed um, 18 companies. 18 additional companies additional that have companies. come on board. Yeah. And have you got any view into the performance? Have you seen any, maybe some reference cases of companies that have engaged the program, that have brought uh, new uh, women in, into their boards and are seeing, you know, enhanced performance in any way? I think it's a little bit, a little bit early because our programs really only started a year ago. Okay. And so, so I think it's a little bit early to tell, but I'm, you know, it is one of our aspects now from, we, we actually spoke about it at our last uh, Steercom meeting. It really is about now starting to engage with the board. So we are going to be setting up time with the boards to say, this is what your board makeup is. Okay. What is your nominations committee looking at at the moment? What can we help with? So we're going to become a lot more visible within the corporates. I think the first thing for us was to establish the relationships with those corporates and for them to trust us in terms of what we're doing. Okay. I think if you speak to any one of the corporates now, they will tell you that you know, they're very happy with what we're doing. A lot of corporates have been on, on board since inception. And so the thing is, now we've built those relationships. Now we can uh, go in and, and start meeting with the chairman and CEOs and seeing what we can do more. Okay. And now maybe help me with, with the link in. So you're also the founder of the Gender Mainstreaming Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are South African awards, mm-hmm. am I correct? Yeah. Okay. And at the, uh, at the moment. At the moment. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I guess I'm trying to balance that. You know, you spoke about it's not a woman issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a corporate issue. It's a yeah. corporate imperative. Yeah. Uh, but then at the same time, there's the Gender Mainstreaming Awards that you've also established in parallel to that. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe just talk a little bit about the Gender Mainstreaming Awards and then 
kind of where you see the link in in terms of the work you're doing with the 30% club. Okay. So the Gender Mainstreaming Awards was established before the 30% club. So, ah, so okay. we're in our fifth year now. Okay. And it was then, you know, so we had established the Gender Mainstreaming Awards because, as I was saying, people saying things aren't happening because the stories weren't being told. So okay. we formed the Gender Mainstreaming Awards to tell the stories. To show okay. how much the momentum has been created in in South Africa, but it's called the Gender Mainstreaming Awards for a, a simple reason. It's not a woman in business. It's not a woman at the top. It's not a woman. It's a Gender Mainstreaming Awards, and the reason for that is unless it's mainstream to the organisation, it's absolutely meaningless. Okay. So if you've got somebody within an organisation that is passionate about either women in disability or women in entrepreneurship or something like that. That's fantastic. It's great that she's doing that, but it's not going to make changes within the organization. So the, um, so the gender mainstreaming awards are, are rewarding companies that are mainstreaming gender as part of their, their diversity conversation. Okay. And uh, it's got to go right to the board. Can, can you maybe then elaborate when you say mainstreaming vis-a-vis empowerment, what's the fundamental difference there? Well, the one is strategic imperative. Okay. So if you mainstream something, it's a, st- a strategic imperative of that company. If they didn't do it, their company wouldn't be succeeding as much as it should do. Empowerment, you can give people op- empowerment opportunities where you can upskill them and you can, but it doesn't mean to say that it's going to change the DNA of the organization. Okay. Whereas mainstream makes it, it changes the DNA of the organization. Okay. And the types of awards that, that you give? So there are 10 different awards. It's, it's to reward companies in terms of women on boards is the flagship, um, um, uh, category, okay. but we've got women entrepreneurship. There's um, um, supporting women in in corporate social investment um, opportunities. There is diversity and transformation. We have just now implemented a tenth category. Um, as you know, the gen- all listed companies have to have a gender strategy and have to report on it. And so we've got nomination, a nomination category to nominate companies who are doing that and are doing that very successfully. Ah, uh, great. Mm. And, and give me a sense, women on board, outside of just counting the number of women, women on the board, how do you go about, I guess, differentiating between organization in terms of who's performing board better in that regard? I mean, I'm interested to understand that. Well, the numbers mean, mean nothing because, um, you know, even with the 30% club, if, if you've got 30% women on boards, it, the 30% club comes from the basis of when you've got three women out of 10, it's a level to which you can start influencing conversation. Okay. So the numbers at the top could influence conversation, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to influence conversation. Yeah. So the numbers, the numbers are fantastic and to get more women onto boards is absolutely fantastic. But if you're not influencing the conversation, you won't have any change in the whole organization. So you won't get any empowerment of women. Yes. So for, for us, the, the, the mainstream is really looking at, at going through the strategies. So even if you've not succeeded with the numbers on the boards, but you've got a pipeline, you've got a plan in place that where you're working towards and it is a buy-in from the overall organization. That is what we look for as, as well. It's okay. got to be the full pipeline development. I see. So I guess in that regard, the, the, the aspect is what is the work that you're doing in the business to position yourself or to create 
the, the, the platform for women to then advance into, into board levels and, and I guess higher levels in the business as well. Absolutely. And I mean, you, you see some companies that, I mean, if you look at T systems, I mean, the DNA is there. It comes right from the top. It filters down all the way through organizations. Other companies we've met with, I mean, they haven't have, have gone, they haven't gone as far as that. But they want to. I, I haven't met of one company that, that has actually turned around and said we're not interested. Yes. Some companies just don't know how. They need the support. They need the support. They need the guidance and they just need the direction and they will, they will get on board. Okay. Now, maybe something slightly different. You know, when we look at the young people coming through the workplace today, mm-hmm. um, they used to call them the millennials. I believe now they call them Generation Z. Yeah. And they really offer different makeup. You know, so one is that we led to believe they're not necessarily inclined towards corporate environments. Mm-hmm. They want to do many different things at the same time. How does your company prepare itself? Um, how do, you know, how does the 30% club and the work that you're doing around advancing uh, gender mainstreaming, how does it prepare itself for this new type of worker coming into the workplace? Well, I'm, I'm a mom of two of them, 24 <laughs> and 21. <Yes>. So. <laughs> My, my daughter's a little bit more, more stable, got a job, you know, going through the process. But then yes. I've got my son of 21 years old. And I think he's been a great learning curve for me. Yes. Because they just think totally out of the box. And I think the thing is, it's got to work both ways. You can't just have, um, a whole revolution. I mean, some of the things, um, I've coined the word key evolution. It's got to be a quick evolution. So you don't want something yeah. that's going to be a revolution and going to really upset the apple cart, but you've got to understand that they've got different ideas. And sometimes the ideas do make a lot of sense. Yes. When I sit and listen to my son and I talk to him about, you know, some of the ideas, especially when you've got robotics coming in and that to us, that's like really scary. Yes. And to him, it's just, well, you know, it sets you, you know, gives you time to go and do other things, you know, and go and grow other things and grow other opportunities. So I, th- I think we need to give them that little bit of space to, and you've got to listen to them. Yes. To such an ag- a degree that in fact, we've got our video that we're doing for our gender mainstreaming awards. And that is being produced by students from the film and TV um, academy. Okay. At, um, at SABC. So it really is about bringing that new blood through. And, but it's, but I think we've always created silos. And the reason why you don't get, for instance, even if you look at men and women, things have not worked because we've tried to have a women's conversation yes. instead of involving men. We're now involving the men and there's a lot more synergy happening. The same thing happens with the younger generation. We do things and we say, right, you've got to be of a certain age in order to participate. Yes. No, get the two groups talking. Yes. And yes, you'll have some of the ruffles and things like that. But once you start understanding both sides and once you start having that conversation, you actually find that we are on the same path. It just depends on how we're going to get there. Yes. And I do think that bringing through the, the new blood, we, you know, they will give us some ideas that will just help us to ex- really grow far, far bigger than we are. Yes. Yes. And, and are you hearing, um, your, your partners, I guess your, your, your clients, um, in the corporate space, are they having different conversations in this regard? I mean, this digital disruption that's coming, that's, that's, that, that's becoming, I guess, preeminent. What, what are they saying to you? Well, essentially, I mean, you know, there are different uh, schools of thought, you know, I think in terms of the digital disruption and that, you know, you're either going to embrace it 
or you're going to shy away from it, you know. And so I, I think mostly from what we've heard is, is really there is a risk that they're looking at, but, but most of them are embracing it because it's, it's, it's going to go that way anyway. So the thing is not to, to hit your brick up, your um, head up against a brick wall. The thing is just to embrace it. Yes. And, and let it make, make business sense. I must tell you one of the things, for instance, um, last year we were still doing the gender mainstreaming awards on, on Excel and doing the, and my son said to me, no, mom, you can't do that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's things like that. You've got to actually move at the times and you've got to actually, you, you can't always think that it's it's bad. Yeah. Look yeah. on the, look on the bright side. I always believe you're not going to be put to a challenge that you're not going to be be able to overcome. Yes. So if that comes, we'll overcome it and we'll we'll move on. Yes. Now, linked to that digital disruption topic, um, we know that um, digitization has an automation. So Industry 4.0, mm-hmm. the fourth industrial revolution, has the op- has the potential to displace jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly in the developing world, uh, mm. which is where we live. And you were part of the International Labour Organization for quite some time. Mm. Um, your role with the ILO, what, what was it at the time that you were involved? Oh, that was just they, they brought in a, a women entrepreneurship development program. So it was to develop trainers to go and train women entrepreneurs. Yeah. So um, I was one of the master trainers to train up other trainers to go and train up women entrepreneurs. Okay. And it was this whole program around, um, so it's, it's a program of the about 250 trainers in Africa. Okay. And it's a trainer trainer program and it's really to develop women entrepreneurs. Okay. But to give them the skills that you don't learn in a theory room. It's the more practical knowledge. It's things like, so if you've got a woman that, um, does beadwork, it really is around, um, you know, how do you teach her how to cost that beadwork? And so it was really taking it down to the grassroots and, and helping entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs, um, understand the business, uh, business behind creating your own business. Okay. And, and what was that like? Oh, it was fantastic. I, I loved it. I mean, you know, we, I still every now and again. So on the one side of the, um, of business engage, we still run the Sherry Blair mentorship program. Uh, for women entrepreneurs and, um, I every now and again do d- run one of those programs. Um, for me, it's very important that women entrepreneurs get to understand, you know, what you need to do in order to, to form a business. Okay. And so I still do, do some of that work. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. I want to just delve into the industry, um, a little bit. Um, a paper that we, we read by, uh, Tembilishe Masego, um, on her master's dissertation spoke mm-hmm. about beyond just representation at the board level, but that there were other, I guess, cultural dynamics within mm-hmm. corporates, mm-hmm. um, that were perhaps preventing or limiting the ability for women to ascend. Do you, Delve into those issues as well as part of your organization. Look, I mean, we don't we don't um, get involved in too much of the the negative. I think for for us, it really is, and and it's not that things aren't things aren't there. There are aspects that we need to overcome, but I think sometimes we can spend too much time on the negative. Okay, as I said, rather than saying that's what we have to do. What we've actually found is that, as I said to you, I mean, boards have not. They don't, it's not that they don't want to do things, it's just they don't know how. And because we are now creating this, this network of companies across the board, what has been happening is a lot is, a lot of corporates have been trying to do everything on their own. 
and we're all trying to do the same thing at the same time and we're not sharing best practice. So it's much easier. I mean, once a year we run a a members dinner, 30% club members dinner, and sometimes a lot easier for one chairman to speak to another chairman and say, this is the impact that I've had in my company about doing something a little bit differently. Okay. And so – it's not that there aren't issues. There are issues, but the thing is, I think the conversation's got to got to change, you know. And and so the conversation's got to change about we know about those things. We've just we've spoken about all the cultural issues and and everything before. What do we need to do to change it and to rather spend a lot more time on on moving forward? Okay. Does that not leave the potential for some people to be left behind? Yeah, where, where those challenges, I guess, are, are quite extreme, or, or is that work that you see can be done by other organizations? Yeah, and you know, we are very collaborative organizations. So I think too, too many times women organizations try and be everything to everybody. And, and they struggle with funding because they, they, they're doing everything. So we are very co- collaborative organization. There are other organizations that are doing a whole lot of things, especially in the rural areas. Um, with regards to technical training, with regards to, um, you know, various things that we don't do. Okay. So we collaborate with them. We'd rather turn around and say, like, for instance, women in property. I mean, we're not going to do women in property training because there's a woman in property training. There's a woman in property organization. So if there's something to do with property and specifics around the property industry, we're going to say rather go to the property industry. There's also women in IT. So we're going to say go to women in IT. It's not for us to take over their role in in this whole thing. For us, we really are driving the strategic imperative at the top and driving that so that we, it can filter down into organizations. And then there are other women's organizations that are handling other aspects slower down. Okay. Um, Colleen, I'm aware that you're also authoring a book. Mm-hmm. Um, how long has that been going for? I know sometimes it takes quite a long time <laughs> to finish a book. It was supposed to be out last year and then, then life happened yes. and, and, you know, the 30% club just grew far beyond what we, what we do. But, but we, I am looking to have that out before the end of the year. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, or tell me a little bit about the book? Um, what are your intentions for it? What are you writing about? So it's, it's called Gender Matters, a practical response to the slippery ladder. And okay. because I think so many times we've spoken about the glass ceiling and internationally they are now saying that there isn't a glass ceiling. It's actually a slippery ladder. So women are slipping off way before they get to the glass ceiling. I see. And so these are the practical steps on how to get to the top. So it's not a theory book. It's just giving some advice on small things that you can change in terms of, like, for instance, finding a sponsor. Um, you know, what is the difference between a sponsor, a mentor, and a coach? I see. Yes. You know, and what roles do each of those play? It really is just giving them practical tips on, on getting to the top. Okay. Especially networking. Uh, you know, so many women, uh, you know, they, they, they shy away from networking because of the other roles that they play, but it is so vitally important. Um, in this day and age. So it's little tips on networking and. And networking is not as easy as it sounds. Mm. I mean, it's quite daunting. Yeah, absolutely. But I do find, you know, the minute women start getting involved in like our boardwalks or our hot tables that we run or some of our events, because most of our events are round tables of 10. Okay. And I think it's just a, about, it's the unknown. So, you know, will I have to walk into a venue where I don't know anybody? Yes. And once they've been to our events a couple of times and it's a small table of 10 and they engage and they get a little bit more confidence in speaking to people, 
the next event they're coming and it's a cocktail event and they walk in quite confidently and walk up to somebody they don't know and say, hi, my name is, you know. Um, so it is the fear of the unknown. But it's a very, very necessary thing. If you want to grow your career, you have to actually work at it. Yes. And what other things do you cover in the book? So I know you said it's, it's tips and tricks, but what else do, what else can, can, can we find, you know, buried in there somewhere in the book? Well, it's, it's also things like if you, if you are looking at, at, um, rising to the top, it's, it's who do you, where do you go and network? It's, it is what do you have to know? What are some of the, the, the aspects you have to know? What are the, the things with regards to growing your career? How do you grow your career? And each one's different, you know, so depending on where you are in your career, it really is those steps by step processes on, on getting to the top. Okay. But it sounds like it's not just for women. No, it's not for women at all. Okay. Nothing we do is just for women. Okay. It's, you know, even our boardwalk events, we've got men attending and, you know, so it's, it can't be just for women. It's, it's got to be, it's got to be a cross sector. And, and that is one of the aspects that we've said is don't just go to women's networking events for the hell of going to a women's networking event. Mm. Cause you might not necessarily meet the person at the top. Who just happens to be a man that you have to engage with to find out some of the tricks to get to the top. And you need to know how to engage in that. Absolutely. And I guess it makes sense because the majority of people in those positions currently are men. Yeah, absolutely. And so you need to be comfortable, um, I guess, operating and engaging in that space. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, the age old story, men at the top are trying to get us down. I mean, if you look at our 30% club, 80% of our members are men. So it's got nothing to do with the men at the top. It's yes. got to do with, you know, what do you need to do in order to get there? Get on the road, get your support structure in place and, and move. Yes. The, you know, sitting here listening to you, um, earlier on you said you don't necessarily consider yourself to be a disruptor. <laughs> but when I ask you the questions, you definitely have an alternative view. Absolutely. Um, why don't you consider yourself a disruptor? No, I, I was, I was teasing. I, <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, um, it was just when she, when Lorna phoned me and she said to me, you know, you want to, uh, to be interviewed on this disruption. Stri-. I said, no, well, I'm not a disruptor. You know, anybody that knows me knows that I think out of the box. Um, I like creating, I like doing new things, but I also like doing things that create impact. And I've just looked at what has been done and the same old, same old has not worked. Okay. And so if I look at my career in the financial services industry, one of the most male dominated industries, every single one of my sponsors has been a male. Okay. And I've risen to the top in the financial services industry. And it's, it's just got to do with a mindset. So, so for me, I want to challenge the women to say what you, the conversations you're having, change them. Because as long as you put your mind in the right direction, you will get there. Okay. You might need a, uh, to build a support structure. You might need to have those tough conversations at home about who's going to look after the kids. But, um, you know, you've just got to change that conversation. So for me, it's to challenge the conversation and to challenge the way gender diversity has been tackled um, in, in South Africa. Uh, but you, you worked at uh, Diners Club, AIG, I mean – these are massive global um, corporations, mm-hmm. and you didn't have a nicely written book to refer to no. at the time. How did you do it? Well, by asking. You know, um, so so I think that's one of the key aspects that women don't find out is because we're too scared to ask. So for me, it was 
I was thrown into deep end. As I said, I started out as a secretary. I had to find out. And for me, it was to ask questions. And if I was given a task, I would say, I know 80% of it. I don't know the balance 20%. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the way men progress, they'll turn around and say, we know 90%. That I mean, we know 10%. They balance 90%. We'll find out we'll along the way. Yes. Women will want to know 100% before they move. And we say, you'll never know. 100%. And you aren't going to be able to stretch yourself unless you do come across things that you don't know. So some of it is, is by trial and error, but, but other just go and ask. There are other people that know what you have to do. So you made lots of mistakes along the way. Absolutely. And I've paid for them big time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also did a, you did a, you published something digitally. Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit about oh, the work you've done uh, pre- before the book? You've got some work that you did digitally in terms of tips and tricks as well. Yeah. So when women, in, uh, when uh, government published the Women Empowerment and Gender Equality Bill, and I was asked to represent Busat Nedlak, and I decided to go on this journey. Bearing in mind, I spent a lot of time on the entrepreneurial space and not too much um, time spent on the corporate space. So I had to do a bit of work and find out a little bit of knowledge about what was happening in the corporate space. So we researched um, uh, 200 publications, research papers, articles, books around best practices internationally, internationally in terms of gender mainstreaming. And we published an ebook called The Best Practices in Gender Mainstreaming for the Private Sector. Okay. We have just updated it now. We're just waiting. Minister Susan Shabangu will be putting a foreword into the book. So that will be ready within the next week or so. Okay. And, um, but it's 106 best practices for corporates to look at in terms of, of, um, bringing gender mainstreaming into their, into their corporates. It's not that every corporate is going to take 106 best practices, but especially the corporates that are looking at it and then start saying it's so complicated. You know, we've just been through BE and, you know, yep. some things are so simple. So some things are so, so simple and they can implement those. And when those things work, they can turn around and say, Oh, that worked. Let me go for something a little bit bigger. Okay. And so things like not making a woman's issue, making a business issue. It's little things like that that really change the conversation within the corporates. But it's not easy to do, right? No, no, it's not easy. And, but the thing is, there is, there are so many companies that have done it. And so, you know, one of the things is getting involved in the 30% club. You get to hear about how others have done it. Others have been through the trial and error. Others have been through the hard knocks. So learn from them, you know. And that's where I think, I think, you know, instead of trying to do it all ourselves and working the silos, just to come together and work on it together. Fantastic. Work on it together. Um, I've seen here as well, 85 Broad, Southern Africa. You're involved in a lot. <laughs> And and before we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about how do you how do you pull it all together. But you're also involved with 85 Broad Southern Africa, yeah. And it says it's a multicultural, multi generational network of yeah. uh, trailblazing, trailblazing, visionary women. Um, what is 85 Broads? Okay, so 85 Broads, it's 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 it's. I mean, it, the the word Broad. So so I'm not I'm no longer the the head of that. I'm now co-chair of the Women Corporate Directors. But I'll tell you about the 85 Broads. It's okay. got nothing to do with women, although it's a play on the word Broads. Yes. Um, 85 Broads was at 85 Broad Street, New York. I see. So the organization was called 85 Broads, and it was originally an organization for the women within Goldman Sachs. And they broadened that. So now there's an international network of, of women who are at the most senior, um, 
um, positions in their career and they affiliate internationally. So it's a web-based, um, web-based organization. Okay. And then the women corporate directors, they look very specifically at women, at corporate governance in, on independent board, board members. And so, so I'm co-chairing that. You're co-chairing that. Yeah. With, um, with one of the ladies from KPMG. Okay. Now, given that you, you have been and continue to be involved in a lot of kind of organizational, um, entities, if I can call it that, mm-hmm. um, why, why is that a preferred approach for you in terms of getting stuff done? Well, first of all, it gives you the capacity. Okay. Okay. So, and, and also each organization, everything I do is, is really the, it's the little cogs in the wheel. So the 30% club has got a, a mandate, as has the women corporate directors got a mandate. And so corporate governance is very key in, in women that are aspiring to be, um, at the top of the, the board. Yes. And so, so it's an aspect. We're not going to go and do women cor- corporate governance training, you know, so because that's what women corporate directors does. And so, so that is, that is why I'm, I do that is rather than reinventing the wheel, I'm, I actually go and find opportunities where we can bring it in as one of the cogs in terms of our, to meet our objectives. And how do you do it all at the same time? <laughs> I mean, you're writing a book. You obviously do work within the entities that you represent mm-hmm. or that you head up. Plus you're running your organization as well. Mm-hmm. How do you pull it all together? Look, I mean, uh, there's a fantastic uh, support structure. So if you look at, in, for instance, in terms of the 30% club, each of the corporates has got a steercom member. So we've got a steercom of 32 of us that are broken down into management com- committees. So it's not like I have to do everything. It yes. really is. It's more the strategic vision behind it. A lot of what I do. And it's having of coffees to bring more <laughs> new members on board. Everybody says to me, I'm very good at having coffees. Yeah. So, you know, so that's, that's more my role within the organization and really to spearhead it from a visionary perspective. Okay. Um, you know, there are admin things that I have to get through and I, I get through them, you know, when, when I have to. It's, you, you know, but it's, but you've got to make the time just like it is having time to go to the gym or going, you know, spending time with your family. You just compartmentalize it. And, and also, I think from a woman's perspective, you realize you can't do everything. Yes. You know, you realize what you can do and you bring on the support structure to do what you can't do. What you can't do. And what's next for you? Sure. What well, <laughs> well, look, I mean, obviously we're working towards the 2020 mark. You know, I think somebody said to me one day, how will you know you've arrived? And I said, well, when we don't have to have this conversation anymore, you okay. know, when it just so happens. Yes. But I think our major, you know, we are moving up into East Africa for the 30% club. And with our gender mainstreaming awards, I did say it's the southern, it's the South African awards now, but we're looking to take that up into East Africa, West Africa. And so we'll eventually have an East Africa, West Africa, Southern African regional awards. Okay. Um, so there are some of those aspects in, but obviously to grow the 30% club to a size, where we were reckoned internationally as a, as a growing force of gender diversity. Okay, and just why, why East Africa as out of South Africa? Why into the East? A lot of our corporates were um, are, have got base in in East Africa. Okay, and okay, so it's kind of following where they are. Yes, yeah. So how we've grown is we really rely on our corporates. So we are corporates. So for instance, we started in Joburg. We expanded into Cape Town with our corporates. We're now expanding into Durban and then up into East Africa. It's one of the the areas where a number of our corporates approached us and asked us to to have some input. 
Okay. And um, for your, I guess, for other corporates that are not part of the 30% club, but maybe are looking to uh, do better work in that space, how would you advise them very briefly now in terms of the things they can look at? Look, I'm, I think to have a conversation with me because each corporate is, is different. And, and so, and I think that's what we've, where we've prided ourselves is we don't come with a box of tricks and say, well, this is how you go. Mm. We, we have a participatory gender review process that we can take them through. And, but it's, it's more about having a coffee with them, seeing where they're at at the moment and guiding them accordingly and, and getting them involved in, in what we're doing. Okay. And to the women that are aspiring to get into those boards or into senior, Positions within the within the companies they work for that they aspire towards. Two aspects. Number one, they they need to come and participate. And, a number and it's of, free to participate. How does it work? Okay, so some things are free, other things aren't. Okay, okay so if they're not, if the corporates aren't members, they become a member of Business Engage. And, and then they, they, some of the events are free and, and others aren't. Um, and, um, for corporates, it depends on how they want to get involved. Do they want to get involved in everything? And that's why I say it's, so from an individual, they become a member or they get their corporates to come and have a conversation with me by virtue of the, when the corporate comes on board, the individuals come on board free. Okay. So you said that then the second aspect? Is, is to get the corporates involved. Ah, uh, okay. So it's oh, so to, to encourage the corporates, corporates that they work for to get yeah, involved. Okay. Yeah. And as I said, it's a, it, it is a conversation. I can't turn around and say to an IT company, this is what you do. And to a construction company, this is what you do. Yes. The dynamics are totally different. So, and it just depends. Some, some, uh, most companies have already got so many things happening. And so I wouldn't throw everything out. I would turn yes. around and say, those are working fantastically. What isn't working and how, how do you need to, how do you need to, um, you know, get going with other things? Yeah. And I guess from your perspective, it's really that focus on getting them onto the board. So it's not just about, although the spin-offs could be, you know, middle management, senior management, executive management, but mm. specifically you're looking at board representation. On the listed companies eventually. Yeah. And that's the, that's the 30% club mandate internationally. Yes. Yes. So business engages mandate is a little bit wider than that. Okay. Um, so for us, the pipeline is very important in terms of business engaged, but in terms of the 30% club mandate is 30% women on board, on listed boards within a period of five years, which is 2020. 2020. Mm-hmm. Why 2020? Just well, we started, number. we started off in 2015. So okay. five years, <laughs> five years. So yes. 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Colleen, we're almost out of time, but before I wrap up, I want to just have a, get a view from you on three questions or a couple of questions that we ask all our guests. Uh, the first one really being, I mean, we've, we've kind of touched on it, but in terms of the work that you do, um, and, and what you're seeing in the industry, what would be your vision for South Africa or Africa? Um, from that perspective, I think I think for me as a growing economy by by using everybody within within the talent pool that is available, I think you know all too often we too quick to to marginalise any particular any particular element, and so for me is to grow the economy. I you know my vision is to grow the economy by what we're doing. Not just to get women on boards for the hell of getting women on boards. Mm. Numbers to me mean nothing. It really is about creating a difference in the economy. Okay. And, and seeing a change happen. And I think, I think with the economy the way it is and with the world the way it is, I think bringing in the unique skills that women do have, I think will, will only create a more enhanced, more vibrant, um, um, economy to work in. And, 
disruption, um, your definition of what disruption is um, in the context of the work that you do, or in any context, actually? I think it really is about changing, changing the way you look at things. Um, it's not going with the norm. It really is by taking the risks to step out of your comfort zone and go and try something that you haven't done before. And, and, but it's got to have an impact. So it doesn't help to disrupt without having the results. Okay. Um, so I, I think, yes, if you're going to disrupt, disrupt to make, to have that impact. And for women specifically around disruption, what would you say? Think differently and change your mindset. The opportunities are there. You just have to know how to do it and you have to have the right support structure. Don't go and belong to the, the environments where there's a negative, negative drive because you will never actually succeed. What you have to do is get involved with the, the more positive, more, and the people that are really going to support you to get to where you want to go. Okay. So uh, in summary then, I think what you're saying is that it, the, the forward thinking environments are the ones that are most likely to succeed. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and more than likely, there's probably going to be men involved into those organizations or environments because they're owning, the, they're pulling the purse strings as it is now. Absolutely. Look, I mean, some, some way, uh, uh, women are pulling it, pulling it, but at the same time, you, you know, even if you get teams working together, teams of men and women combined, actually succeed far better than either male team or a female team. Absolutely. And so it really is about about creating those diverse teams and that work together and, and you can't do it with we can't do it without the men. Thank you so much, Colleen. Um and really thank you for pushing the agenda around diversity because as much as, you know, our conversation has been about the work you do with women, but what I'm really drawing from it is that diversity is actually the key aspect that we need to be looking at to to drive results in organizations. And we wish you all of the best into the future. Thank you. Um, this brings us to the end of today's show, uh, Disrupt with myself and Bumi Tlapo. Thank you once again to our sponsors, T-Systems, for enabling this platform. Colleen, before you go, how do people get hold of you if they wanted to engage you to understand how you can help themselves personally or the organizations that they represent? Certainly. It's Colleen. It's C-O-L-L-E-N at businessengage.coza. Thank you. And you can also get all the information about Colleen's organizations, organizations, yes, the plural, <laughs> um, about the show. If you want to um, access our podcasts, if you want to get information about our guests, you can go to www.un-outsource.co.za. Um, or you can also catch um, our sister show on CNBC Africa. Um, it's on Thursday at 7.30 every Thursday evening. Uh, to get more insights, to get more learnings, and to get um, more conversations around what disruptive personalities are doing in South Africa and internationally as well. From my side, thank you very much for joining us. Have a wonderful day. Cliffcentral.com.